The Glad Sound Podcast is brought to you by twitter.com forward slash pithpith, P-I-T-H-P-I-F-T-H. If you want to support the show, uh, head on over, give us a follow there. You can also support us by leaving reviews on iTunes. That's huge. In fact, right now, I want to quick throw out thanks to our very first reviewer. Let me bring him up here. Uh, let's see. Game Orator, five stars. Love Joe's podcast. Really nice podcast. Great one to listen to while working on whatever. Thank you, Game Orator. You're the best. You made my day when I saw this. I was so excited. Oh, my God. Uh, again, if you want to support the show, that is really the best way to do that right now, especially in these early days. Those reviews make all the difference in the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That being said, let's go ahead and start the show. feeling good i'm feeling real good you guys oh my god i am so glad i i'm like i'm happy i'm i'm doing my podcast but also i am fresh off the academy awards ye old academy awards the oscars the oscars my boys oh my god all right so first of all i love me an award show i love them so much. I don't know why. I have honestly no reason to love award shows. Uh, I don't think anyone has any reason to love award shows. I think, uh, I think by and large, award shows are pretty objectively awful to watch. So why I love them so much, I could not tell you. But I am a sucker for the Oscars. I love them. They're spectacular. I love them when Ellen hosted. I love them when Seth MacFarlane hosted. I love them this year when Jimmy Kimmel hosted them. I love them all the other years Jimmy Kimmel hosted them. It's just something about uh, the Oscars just tickles me the right way, and I love it. Uh, a lot of it does come from me just loving movies in general, but something about that that whole that whole deal, the music, the production values, just just the pageantry of it all really just strikes a chord with me and I get so excited every single year to settle on down and watch the Oscars and every year it gets a little bit harder <laughs> because I do not have cable nor do I have any sort of live TV or TV service like you know YouTube TV or Hulu TV or View Sling whatever all those things are uh because I'm poor <laughs> I cannot afford these things. I have regular Hulu. Uh, <laughs> but, so what that means is I don't have cable. And I don't have any live TV service. So what do I got to do? Well, <laughs> I went to campus. And I went into a room there. And that TV was hooked up to cable. And we sat in there all night. And we played Starfinder. Uh, which, for those of you who don't know... It's like Pathfinder, which is like Dungeons and Dragons, but it's like semi, I don't want to say simplified, but it's slightly different. And Starfinder is obviously that, but in space. Woo! Uh, I've gone on record saying I'm not a huge sci-fi guy. I don't know if I've said that here before. I'm not big on sci-fi. 
Um, which is weird because I am most likely one of the most rabid Doctor Who fans you'll ever meet in your life. In fact, my obsession with Doctor Who has been described as creepy, unhealthy, uh, and off-putting. Uh, the, the trifecta right there. Creepy, unhealthy, and off-putting. I mean, <laughs> doesn't get a whole lot of... A lot better than that. What was I talking about? Right, science fiction. I'm not a huge science fiction guy, uh, besides Doctor Who. Starfinder's okay. I tend to prefer Pathfinder. I'm, I'm a big ma- I'm I'm a big wizard guy, uh, just in general. Uh they do sort of have a magic component in Starfinder. But it does focus more on the tech and the lasers and the pew 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 that sort of thing. I like my I, I like my wizards and dragons. I like my <laughs> Or you could say, I like my Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, it's, it's wordplay. <laughs> How did we get here from the Academy Awards? World may never know. But if there is one thing I know, it is that the Oscars are long, you guys. Oh, the Oscars are really Really, 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 really long. Oh, oh, oh my God. Oh. And I swear to God, every single year they get a little bit longer and it's just painful. I love them. I love watching the Oscars every year, but by the end, I am just so tired I've eaten so much food. I've got a headache. I want to go to bed. I want to never wake up. Oh, my God. Now, uh, this does sort of lead into something that Jimmy Kimmel set up, uh, where they he said he was giving away a jet ski to the person who gave the shortest speech, and I think that joke lasted all of about 14 seconds, roughly as long as it took for him to make it, and then we were immediately back to uh, two incredibly long acceptance speeches, which actually, now that I think of it, may have been made longer by the fact that he made this joke because now every single acceptance speech referenced this goddamn jet ski. <laughs> so anyway, the point is, it was a long, long, long show. Shape of Water won Best Picture. I think that's fantastic. I was a huge fan of Shape of Water. Besides that, Dunkirk really, like, cleaned the hell up last night. Um, I think they must they must have taken home four or five Oscars. I didn't get the exact numbers on that, and I don't have it in front of me right now. They took home a lot. Uh, Coco did exactly as well as you expect it to. Uh, Darkest Hour performed pretty well not quite as well as i would have liked a lot of people are talking about ladybird how they think it severely underperformed at the oscars i didn't get a chance to watch that uh before last night or no not last night no okay the oscars were a while ago (laughs) definitely not last night uh but i do want to watch it pretty soon because the reviews on that have been spectacular and I've got to imagine, for the amount of internet rage this has generated, it's got to at least be a halfway decent movie. But, 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 
I want a highlight. Not even a moment, just just a fact, a fact of the Oscars. Because it brought me a lot of joy. Um, and this fact is that as, at the 90th Academy Awards, uh, taking place in March of 2018, there was one person, one singular person, who was nowhere to be seen. And that man's name is Tommy Wiseau. Now, I don't know how much I've actually talked about this here or on Twitter or anywhere at all. I don't like Tommy Wiseau. I, oh my God, Tommy Wiseau. He causes rage to boil up inside my cold, dead soul. Oh my God, this guy. Okay. I, I I don't even necessarily know what it is. I don't know if it's his mannerisms, his way of speaking, his... I mean, his voice is sort of grating. But I think it's just the fact that this guy failed his way to the top. Oh my god, I hate that. I can't... I can't... I have a hard time dealing. <laughs> As a person... As someone who personally has a very difficult time dealing with failure, I don't take failure well. <laughs> I have a massive ego, and I don't handle failure well. So, when I see people who fail this hard, and then still make it all the way to the top, it makes me want to poop blood. <laughs> I just can't deal with it. And I went in I went in to watch the Oscars the other night. I was so concerned that not only was James Franco going to be there, but that disaster artist was going to win something and that Tommy Wiseau was going to be there and that he was going to be up on stage while James Franco or whomever was accepting an award. And none of those things happened. <laughs> and just, just the relief. As far as I'm aware, I don't think Disaster Artist was even mentioned. For all I know, it might not have even been nominated for anything. No, you know, it was definitely nominated for something. I can't remember what. Best Adapted something? Best Adapted Screen? I don't know what it was. It was definitely nominated for at least one thing. Because I distinctly remember just this intense wave of relief as I realized that I wasn't going to have to see Tommy Wiseau at the Oscars. <laughs> if there's one place Tommy Wiseau does not need to be, it's at my favorite award show. This guy cannot fail his way that far up. He was already at the freaking... Was it the Golden Globes? It was was it the Golden Globes he was at where James Franco won and then like pushed him away from the microphone? Which by the way, that was a highlight of my life. I, I loved that. <laughs> James Franco caught some heat, man. Like, I, I don't know why. I'm I'm like, listen, the fact that he even let Wusso 
come up on stage with him is like insane. I don't, I don't know why he would do that <laughs> because I look at the guy, you know, he's going to try and say something, you know, you know, you know, Tommy Wiseau wrote an acceptance speech for that golden globe. Oh my God. I would bet money. Tommy Wiseau had prepared statements for the golden globes. <laughs> Oh man. Oh man. Oh, what I wouldn't give to read those. <laughs> those have got to be great. Uh <laughs> But again, kudos to James Franco. Although to be fair, I don't I don't care much for James Franco. I mean, he's fine. He's he's a weird guy. He's got he's got a past to him. Uh but you know who apparently doesn't like James Franco, and I was, this came up, uh, while I was sort of doing research for the show, looking for things to talk about, uh, Macaulay Culkin, you guys remember Macaulay Culkin, uh, famed for his performance in Home Alone, Home Alone 2, Home Alone 3, and, uh, Home, al- home Alone, a uh, movie that wasn't Home Alone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm on his IMDb page right now. Let's see. Uh, the Good Son, uh, The Jim Gaffigan Show. Let's uh, not. Uh, wrestling isn't wrestling. Uh, Robot Chicken. Macaulay Culkin of Robot Chicken fame. <laughs> uh, Oh, he directed a movie. Oh, the movie is a 2013 short film called Macaulay Culkin Eating a Slice of Pizza. Yeah, you may, you might be familiar uh, with the 2013 short film. Uh, it is Macaulay Culkin Eats a Slice of Pizza. It uh, Directed by Macaulay Culkin and starring Macaulay Culkin and Phoebe Kreutz. Uh, I believe it was, in fact, nominated for a number of awards, including uh, Best Cheese, uh, Best Sauce, and uh, Crispiest Crust, if I'm not incorrect. (laughs) I don't know what the hell this is. It's a five-minute short. It's got four and a half out of ten stars on IMD. I'm going to have to look this up. Oh, man, I don't... <sighs> plot keywords. Pizza, 2010s, seven-word title, total title in... Total plot in title, low budget. What the hell? All right. I... <laughs> All right. So I was going gonna to do some stuff about Macaulay Culkin slamming James Franco on Twitter. Uh, but I think we're going to go down the uh, eating a slice of pizza... Rabbit hole here. Here's a let's 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 break down a user review of Macaulay Culkin eating a slice of pizza. Uh, this is a ten star review from December 2016 by uh, Squiggly Crunch. Yes, some of you might remember the uh, fine movie critic Squiggly Crunch, uh, best known for his work on uh, something masterful directing and acting the greatest cinematic masterpiece in the history of the entire universe. That's some high praise. 
That's that. That's some high ass praise, my friend. Let's see if you can back it up. Let's 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 read a little bit into this thing. Indescribable. That's what this is. Truly indescribable. And yet, that's exactly what I'm going to do. This long shot, one take, short film manages to invoke such emotion. I can't help shed a tear every time I see it. Not once does the camera turn off, truly testing the acting ability of Macaulay Culkin, the mastermind behind this glowing piece of artwork. Truly, this is a performance for the ages. If you just watch it all the way through, trust me, you will see. Culkin captures the essence of emotion in this masterful performance. He portrays the most complicated of emotions without pronouncing a single word until the very end. Truly, this is the masterpiece we, as the human race, could never deserve. Yet here it is. Here I am, beholding this masterful piece of cinema, this wonderful light amidst the darkness that is filmmaking industry, indescribable, truly, deeply, indescribable. 9 out of 11 people found this review helpful. I'm, I'm going to have to agree with them. I found this review extremely helpful. <laughs> I got to see what, I got to, I've got to know what this is. I mean, I feel like I know what it is. It's Macaulay Culkin eating a slice of pizza, but I'm going to watch it. I'm going to review it. <laughs> We'll, we'll talk about that next week. I am, I'm excited for this one. I, <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh, Macaulay Culkin. So, so the guy, he has annoying things to say about James Franco, I guess. Uh, does anyone care? I, 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 my whole thing here was, I honestly couldn't tell you what Macaulay Culkin's done since Home Alone. <laughs> and like, I honestly, I didn't want to, I didn't want to make fun of Macaulay Culkin <laughs> without being fully informed. I thought, all right, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe I just missed a couple movies. I, I, I haven't seen everything in the world. <laughs> I looked him up and just searching and there's nothing, guys. There's nothing. He's done nothing. Macaulay Culkin, he is, he's done nothing. It's, it's okay. We don't have to worry about this. Uh, I think... I think that is my favorite part of this E! Online news article where they say that uh, Macaulay Culkin slammed James Franco as he skipped the Oscars. They described Macaulay Culkin as having skipped the Oscars. And, uh, I mean, skipped really sort of implies you were invited not not to throw shade on Macaulay Culkin here, although I feel like we've thrown quite a lot of shade on Macaulay Culkin here. I I don't see Macaulay Culkin getting invited to the Oscars in 2018, you guys. I so I don't think he skipped the Oscars so much as he just live-tweeted the Oscars from his home. All right, I... I think that's enough Oscars talk. <laughs> My deepest of apologies to Macaulay Culkin. I'm sure you're a wonderful person. Maybe. 
I don't know anything about Macaulay Culkin. I remember seeing a photo of him a few years back that was thoroughly horrifying. Lose lose the facial hair, please. Um, and eat a goddamn cheeseburger. All right. You know what I want to talk about next? Uh, I want to talk about this. This this is super dumb. You guys. This is so dumb. It's so dumb. I want to talk about these Diablo three rumors. We gotta rein this in. We got we gotta we we gotta get out the leash. We gotta we gotta hook it up and we gotta pull this thing back in. Come on. So the rumor is that Diablo three is coming to the Switch. What is this rumor based on? You ask. Well, this rumor is based on uh, a tweet. A tweet from the official Activision Blizzard account. Which uh, let me bring it up here. Uh, it was sent at 1 a.m. on February 28th, and it simply says, Sweet Dreams. And attached is a GIF of a Diablo Nightlight, and it is being switched off. Oh, oh, oh no, oh no, you guys. <laughs> I saw this tweet when it went live, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of a cute little GIF. But uh, apparently it was a whole lot more to some people because the internet collectively shit its pants as it declared <laughs> that Diablo 3 was definitively coming to the Nintendo Switch. This could not possibly in any scenario mean anything more or less than, than Diablo 3 coming to a Nintendo console because a nightlight was switched off. <laughs> Yeah. No, I guys, I really don't think first I didn't think that was the case then. But since then, we have gotten a response from Blizzard themselves that says uh let me find the exact wording. Uh cuz the exact wording here is pretty important actually. Um let's see if I can find it. As of right now, we do not have any current plans to announce Diablo for the Switch, a spokesperson told us. That's not quite what they said. Oh, okay. So this isn't the quote, but it's close. In its earlier statement, pouring cold water on the rumors, Blizzard described the Twitter post as simply a, quote, fun engagement piece, end quote. Eurogamer sources with knowledge of the project told me they were surprised to see it. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So they, they literally called it a fun engagement piece. That is social media lingo. That's, that's, that's social media, like, um, I don't want to say officer. I don't, why do I want to say social media officer? Social media manager? Yeah, that sounds right. That's, that's like social media manager min lingo. A fun engagement piece. It's just, it's a thing. You're just sending out a tweet to send out a tweet. I, that, to me, sounds like incredibly definitive proof that it is not happening. Or at least that was not the intention behind this tweet. But regardless, the internet is on fire and our mere human water cannot put it out. On top of this... Eurogamer continues to make the situation worse by uh, putting up a, an article a few days ago that basically just, without naming any sort of source, just sort of says that someone, someone, somewhere, 
has said that yes, indeed, Blizzard is working on a Diablo 3 port. Oh, here it is. Here's the exact quote from the Eurogamer article. Quote, Well, while Blizzard makes its mind up, Eurogamer sources have told us that yes, the project is very much in production, and as you might expect, the game will be a port of Diablo 3. End quote. That's it. Uh, their sources could not confirm whether Reaper of Souls or Rise of the Necromancer will be included. Uh, okay. You sourced nothing. <sighs> this bugs me. I, It's a nameless source, and it's Eurogamer. I don't know how much I trust Eurogamer. Maybe I'm wrong to not trust Eurogamer. Maybe Eurogamer has an impeccable track record with this sort of thing. But as it is, I'm not even quite taking this with a grain of salt. I've like I've got the grain of salt in my hand, and I'm taking like a tiny little tiny little uh, knife, and I'm like I'm cutting me off like a slice of that grain of salt, and that that's what I'm taking from this article. That that's about how much I'm taking from this article. It just drives me insane. The internet is on fire, and I nobody can put it out. <laughs> because once once the internet has latched on to this idea of something that they want, there's there's no getting by it. You can't you can't move on. That's it. You're there. It's happening. It has to happen. If it doesn't happen, then Blizzard is evil. <laughs> oh, God, it just it drives me completely up a wall that <laughs> this happens. It is a cute gift, though. Like, I, I gotta give them that. Like, I I genuinely enjoyed this tweet at 1 a.m. <laughs> on February 28th, which, uh, uh, when was I up at 1 a.m.? That's 28th, so that is a Wednesday. Ah, yes, 1 a.m. on a Wednesday. That is a great time to be awake. I'm really glad I am frequently awake and checking Twitter at 1 a.m. on a Wednesday. Yeah, I'd like to say that was unusual. Don't think I can, uh... I don't think I can make that claim. <laughs> I, I, think I, I think I would be in the wrong if I were to attempt to make that claim. I am most certainly frequently up and checking Twitter at 1 in the morning. In fact, I think I pretty frequently tweet uh, in and around 1 a.m. I have to go back and look, but... I think I've got my fair share of uh, midnight plus tweets. Happens. Listen, sometimes you are up and you are, in my case, usually drinking a cup of coffee and eating cookies, uh, <laughs> watching Netflix, <laughs> pretending to work, and inspiration strikes. You just got to send out that 1 a.m., that 2 a.m. tweet. No one sees it. It gets no engagement. <laughs> you check it a day later. It's got like 14 impressions. because No one's checking Twitter at 2 a.m. But hey, you got it out there. You got your thoughts. You, sh you, you spewed it into the void for whomever would find it to enjoy and or loathe and or just question your sanity. All right. All right, we are we are rounding our base here. That takes us into sort of my last thing, which is a little bit more 
it's a little bit more of a serious thing. Um, I don't know. I just kind of wanted to talk about it because it was kind of a weird introspective sort of moment for me uh, in the past week. For those of you who don't know, I'm a musician. I I I, play, I make music. I'm a flautist, a violinist. Um, I, I I aspire to be a pianist. I'm not a pianist. I very much aspire to be one. I I try very hard, but I am quite thoroughly terrible at it. Uh, the point is, uh, occasionally I have uh, some stories from you know in and around that, and I thought I thought this would be a good topic for the show, uh, just because it sort of got me thinking, it got me looking at how I approach these things in a bit of a different way. Uh, so with the uh, concert band here in Rochester. For the past several weeks, we've been preparing music by a local musician uh, whose name is Porcelli. Porcelli. Sam Porcelli is his name. Uh, he immigrated here from Sicily in the early 1900s, uh, and I think he passed away in the late 90s, somewhere, mid-90s, somewhere in that area, about 20 years ago now. Um but we've spent the past several weeks doing this, and uh, the reason being that a professor here located some original transcripts of his music and found them intriguing and just fun, and uh, he contacted the family of Sam Porcelli, and, uh, and he arranged to have a concert put on by the concert band. And it was just a wonderful concert, an incredible concert, and... Uh, that's sort of why I'm talking about it. Uh, it was particularly put on by Sam's daughter, who attended. She's 85 years old now. Um, and the reason that I found it interesting was because as I was sitting there on the stage, it was sort of warming up, uh, as you do, and just going through scales and etudes and my usual, my usual business. And I start thinking... And I sort of look out to the audience, and it's a it's a spectacular turnout, um, especially for when it was, which was a Thursday night. Um, we don't frequently have very good turnouts at these things because you know it's a it's a college concert band. Most people don't care, and especially on a weekday, you just don't expect people to turn out for these kinds of things. But it was very nearly a full concert hall, and I started thinking about it, and uh, what really struck me is that. Uh, at that moment, the concert wasn't about me, uh, or I suppose the concert wasn't about the band, um, but I have a huge ego, as I said earlier, so the concert wasn't about me, uh, <laughs> which struck me as odd. Uh, things are frequently about me, <laughs> if only in my mind, but performances especially, uh, they center on the group, uh, you're there to see the group perform, be it uh, Dvorak, be it Chopin, be it uh, Debussy. Uh, you're there to see the group play. You're there because perhaps you do want to see, um, you know, Dvorak's Hungarian dance. Maybe you like that song. A lot of people like that song. I love that song. Uh, but you're also, but you're there because you want to see that group perform it. Um, and this was the first time that I truly felt that, um, my or the group's performance was ancillary, 
the being really what I was is I was just a means of conveyance for the first time ever, which was so, so unbelievably strange. And I've done things similar to this before. I've, I've particularly played in a lot of pit orchestras for large musical productions. Um, and in that context, it's sort of similar where it's really, it's about the actors, obviously it's about the show. Um, but at the same time, you're very exposed, you're right there, and it does, and you're recognized, um, in most cases, the pit orchestra is recognized, uh, but in this case, it was really about Sam Porcelli and this music that he wrote, which was spectacular music, um, particularly for someone like him who immigrated from Italy and had no formal musical education, uh, it was very well thought out, very well orchestrated. Um, it was slightly reminiscent of, for those of you who are familiar with music, um, John Philip Sousa, and even those of you who aren't familiar with music, you probably immediately recognize the name John Philip Sousa. But um, the way I always described this music to my friends was um, it's almost as if Sam Porcelli had had John Philip Sousa described to him <laughs> but never actually heard the music for himself and then just went on to emulate that in everything he did uh, because it was it very much had that feel it had that Sousa feel but it definitively was not Sousa and it tripped up in some places and it was strange and it was weird and it was different and it was cool um it was a little repetitive occasionally uh, because he did write a lot of marches and a lot of marches tend to get very similar. Um, another thing he did was he wrote so many repeats. This is a really long concert, you guys. <laughs> I mean, like, our last song was 14 minutes. Christ! <laughs> and it was only like six pages. He just wrote 20 repeats. <laughs> but hey, you know what? Who am I to judge? I'm nowhere I'm nowhere near the level of uh, writing required to put on something like this. And I guess that that's that's what really got to me. I I found it fascinating that it wasn't about me um, because I have a gigantic ego. It's about me. When I perform, I want you to look at me. Um, well, maybe I don't want you to look directly at me. You know what? Don't don't look at me. I make a lot of mistakes. Um, I'm, I'm backpedaling here. Uh, don't pay attention to me. Pay attention to someone else. <laughs> I don't want my mistakes on, uh, on, uh, on display like that. But it was fascinating. And it, it was an experience of a lifetime. And, uh, well, I am somewhat glad to be done with it because, you know, you can only play the same music for so long before it's time to move on. Uh, it was something I'm really glad I did, and just that sort of experience, that growth, that that idea that occurred to me during that was something I wanted to share and just sort of put out there. Um, maybe somebody has, maybe somebody out there has some insight into this. Maybe, maybe you have some sort of uh, analog to this. Maybe, maybe there's another musician out there who knows exactly the feeling I'm talking about. That's what I want. I want, I want your your experience your experience that's similar to this it's it's a fascinating topic especially for someone like me who has an ego 
roughly the size of Wisconsin, uh, which also happens to be why I feel it is very important I do a podcast in which I talk alone for very near an hour. <laughs> and uh, speaking of which, we are coming up on the end. God, you know, I I came into the show and I'm like, geez, do I have enough material here? And uh, we're running a little bit shorter than we did last week, but I think... I think 30 minutes is a pretty good spot for this. Um, I think it's good. I like, I used to listen to a lot of uh, hour and a half, two hour podcasts, and boy, those are a marathon. Um, and it was a lot easier. I was in high school, I was in middle school, um, I was in freshman year of college, and I just had a lot more free time on my hands. <laughs> I can't do that anymore. Uh, I don't have time to listen to 10 hours of podcasts a day. So I've come to appreciate the 30, 40 minute podcasts. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. We're, we're moving, we're moving, we're moving towards that 30 to 40 minute area. And I think that's going to be the sweet spot. I think that's really as long as anyone can tolerate, uh, hearing me talk too. So, uh, you know, win, win. <laughs> that being said, uh, if you haven't gotten enough of me, Go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at pithpith, that's P-I-T-H-P-I-F-T-H. And uh, reminder, you can find this show in a whole lot of places. In fact, let me bring this up right now because I'm not positive, but I do believe that we are currently available on the Google Play Store. I hope we're available on the Google Play Store. Doesn't look like... Okay. I can't bring it up right now. That's a pain. All right. Well, if we are on the Google Play Store, look us up, leave us a review. If not, you can also find us on Pocket Casts. We're finally up on the iTunes Store, of course, because I read the review from earlier. Thanks again to Gamerator for leaving the first review. I love you. You're spectacular. Uh, follow their suit. This helps so much. Uh, after a certain number of reviews, after a certain number of downloads, you start really moving up super fast in the rankings, and that's a huge deal, especially in the early days of posting on iTunes. I'm so excited to be doing this. Is there anything else that I've forgotten? There is almost certainly something I have forgotten, but it will have to wait until next week. Thanks for listening. I will see you all next week. Week.